Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. Strategic planning helps the organization move towards its most powerful, positive potential. Of course, the process is kind of entwined with mission, vision, and core values. Mm, But there's something obvious that I need to say. Any plan, any strategic plan that's developed should be one that can actually be implemented. It shouldn't just be a document that sits on a shared drive. Develop a plan with methods for ongoing evaluation and measurement. I believe that the planning process itself should be collaborative, concise, actionable, and outcome-oriented. Ultimately, the outcomes should strengthen the strategic position of the organization. This podcast is all about using a dynamic, positive approach to designing implementing, and evaluating strategy. Let's start with a few basics on strategy and how it's formulated. You know, if strategy doesn't focus on implementation and outcomes, a strategy to performance gap will emerge. You know that gap. It's there when you don't track performance related to strategic goals or when you create a plan that doesn't have any clear methods for monitoring progress. So the strategy says one thing, and people are running around the organization doing something totally different. That's the strategy to performance gap. The gap can be glaring to line staff, but many leaders, even the most experienced, can fail to detect performance and productivity blocks. Sometimes this happens because they have blinders on. Maybe it'll happen because they're not getting enough information or they're not getting the right information. Maybe it happens because they don't know which questions to ask, so they're asking the wrong questions. These bottlenecks diminish the potential outcomes for the entire organization. A poorly designed strategic plan can be the root of that strategy to performance gap that I just mentioned. And we know that plan design, that's not the only issue that impacts overall outcomes of strategic planning. I believe that the methodology itself can be an impediment. Traditional models explore strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. You know that old SWAT thing. But that does very little to inspire excellence in the future. Other accepted models may be rooted in the problems of the day and anticipating ways to avoid them in the future. I want to talk about a distinctly different model that will yield distinctly different results. Appreciative inquiry is just that a model that directs the organization towards its most powerful potential. And it does this by exploring the excellence that the organization has already demonstrated in the past. And that's what we're going to be focusing on. I want to give you a very brief overview of the elements of appreciative inquiry. Then we're going to move to how it can be applied as a strategic planning tool. 
Appreciative inquiry is the organizational effectiveness approach developed by David Cooperwriter. It can be used in organizations of all sizes, in small departments, in divisions. You can use it just about anywhere. In fact, I have a podcast on how you can actually use it in your life to create positive change. It's based on the assumption that every organization has elements that are working well and that those strengths are the starting point for creating positive change. The beauty of appreciative inquiry is that it gives tools for leveraging past successes to create sustainable victories in the future. You can use it to address strategic shifts in just about any area. Use it to address the way that work is accomplished. Use it to address changes in leadership. Use it to address performance, business outcomes. It has multiple applications. Before we move to how we apply appreciative inquiry to strategic planning, let's just very briefly review the concept. If you've been listening to my podcast, you already know and already have this foundation memorized and mastered. The philosophical foundation is rooted in two theories. The first is social constructionism, which teaches us that language is our most powerful tool of creation. It's not simply how we describe our conditions, surroundings, or circumstances. Instead, it's how we continually recreate our existence. If we habitually ask questions about how the organization can function at peak performance, that was peak performance, okay? And today, we're keeping the bloopers in, just so you know it. It's one of those funny days in the studio. So, if today we can figure out how we can function at peak performance in the studio, the same applies in the organization. If we can habitually regularly, consistently ask the questions that help us understand how we created peak performance, how we dealt with the blunders, the mistakes on our way to peak performance. That's when we create even more opportunities for greatness, even more opportunities for excellence, even more opportunities for the organization to soar in spite of its stumbles. The second theoretical foundation is heliotropism. Now, this is borrowed from the natural sciences. It instructs us that all living organisms, all living systems, all living things gravitate towards that which gives them life. Organizations are vibrant living systems, and organizations, too, seek life-giving forces. With these two theoretical foundations in place, it's obvious that appreciative inquiry is a tool for revealing what's possible for an organization, and that's why it's so useful in strategic planning. I want to go through the 4D cycle. It starts with an affirmative topic choice for your plan. In other words, a positive frame of inquiry has to be determined on the front end. That means you don't start strategic planning by saying that you want to address market downturns or turnover or anything else that isn't future-focused and positive. 
you begin with a focus like this. How do we increase retention? How do we gain market share? How do we design products for the future? So you start out by asking questions that really will take you where you want to be. That framework on the front end is so important. Appreciative inquiry derives its strength by beginning with a positive focus of inquiry. Those initial questions are fateful. The frame of inquiry cannot, it just can't be rooted in problems. Begin by searching for the positive possibilities for the organization and for its people. The goal is to begin by affirming the best, the very best in the organization. The 4D cycle is discovery, dream, design, destiny. Each step of this process is activity-oriented. The beginning, discovery, asks the organization to define the best of who and what it is. It calls for everyone involved to actually appreciate who they are, how they are, and how valuable they are in the organization, to appreciate their successes and to recognize large and small victories. What I'm saying here is we don't dwell on the mistakes of the past. We don't dwell on our blunders. They happen. We just get up and move forward. And when we're starting this planning process, we are intentional about looking towards the best, looking towards the best, reviewing and recognizing the best of who we are. After the discovery, the dream asks every strategic planning participant to imagine what could be for the organization, what could be for its people, what could be for its stakeholders. I am not talking about idle fantasizing. I'm talking about purposefully envisioning where the organization can be. The next step in the process is figuring out how to make that idea real. And this is design. This is where strategic planning participants collaboratively begin using dialogue to construct how the organization can become its best self consistently. The fourth step of the cycle is destiny. It's at this stage that tools to sustain the newly crafted organization get implemented. This is where we start plugging things in. Everybody involved in the process and everyone in the organization continues learning, adjusting, innovating, and improvising. If you decide to use this method, it may be a leap of faith especially in autocratic organizations, especially in hierarchical organizations. It presents a lot of challenges for leaders who aren't good collaborators. It presents a lot of challenges for people who think that they know the best way, that they have the best experiences. It's really about bringing people together and respecting all of the intelligences that come from different areas of the com company. 
you know, this whole process of integrating insights from multiple stakeholders can be challenging, but it's something that you have to do throughout the process. All of the voices are heard. Leadership is more collaborative than in very traditional hierarchical organizations. And as I said a a couple of seconds ago, that can be tough. That can be really tough. If you're trying this approach, be prepared for a healthy dose of skepticism. Some people may think initially that it's too soft an approach for dealing with really pressing imperatives that are facing businesses on the brink. I don't agree. I just don't agree. I know from my experience using this methodology that it relies on collective intelligence, it's rooted in best practices, and it is ideal for difficult dilemmas. It is perfect for difficult dilemmas. Let's go a little bit deeper into the appreciative inquiry planning process. I think that by now you get the foundation so we can really move to how the cycle begins. It's okay to jump right into discovery of the organization's best. There's a lot of value in having multiple levels of discovery. And that will be more clear as I keep talking. The first step is maybe a series of interviews that examine moments of excellence for individuals. Participants on the planning team can be charged with interviewing each other and other stakeholders to discover any number of aspects of how they feel about the organization, about their role in it, about the successes and the excellence that they've created and that they've witnessed. I want to give you a a really hard, hardcore, really practical, really relevant example. A board of directors of a large national trade association started their strategic planning process with discovery. They were committed to using appreciative inquiry. So they said, all right, we're going to do this thing. We're going to discover. And they wanted to use discovery to cement their commitment, not just to the planning process, but to the association that they were charged with guiding. They were also really interested in addressing their role as a board in furthering strategy. Their initial question was, when was our board at its best? They used the interviews to gather important information. They were able to use the data from the interviews, the interviews of each other, to describe instances when they were at their best. And they could describe these instances in detail. I mean, really deep, descriptive detail. It was this investigation that gave them a higher level of awareness of when and how they functioned really well. They identified distinct moments when they accomplished their aims. Uh, The conditions that led to that success were rediscovered, or in some cases, they were discovered for the first time. All of that came from the discovery interviews. All of this discovery gave them important information for the future of their work together, leading the association. The interview questions that launch your strategic planning process should inquire into times when people felt connected 
to each other or to the organization. Inquire about when people produced outcomes that they were really proud of. Inquire about when people felt the organization fulfilled its mission most appropriately. Inquire about the times when people really felt connected to their work and to the larger enterprise. Design an initial inquiry that raises awareness to the fact that this planning process intentionally focuses on the positive and build from there. This initial level of inquiry starts to connect people to the process in a way that we don't typically find in more traditional uh, strategic planning. This first step creates the engagement that characterizes appreciative inquiry. It doesn't happen with the consultant and the leadership team going off to a retreat. It happens with real collaboration. Discovery, that's the next piece here, the next step. It progresses with formulating additional questions that are going to guide the planning. I believe that those questions should enable discovery of more of the organization's proudest moments. They should reveal a positive image which will lead to really purposeful, positive action. The questions or the inquiries that we continue to use in discovery elicit information about the best, the best, the best of the past. This is what positions people to create bold visions of the limitless possibilities for the organization. I know I've been redundant about discovery. That's because it's so important. That's because that's the foundation that you're going to build on throughout this entire process. So I really want you to take the discovery seriously. I really want you to find and create uh, unique ways to discover the best of the organization. And I apologize for being a little bit redundant, but I just feel really strongly about that piece of this. So I want to give you an example. Uh, A not-for-profit housing agency began their discovery by asking the following. What are we responsible for doing to provide housing to homeless families in our county? The question got right to the heart of the reason that they were embarking on strategic planning. They needed clarity on activities that would further their mission of housing stability for at-risk families and for homelessness prevention for, for the same population. The collaborative, reflective culture of the organization led them to naturally begin strategic planning with affirming questions. The dream phase, that's, that's what's up next. This phase of the process reveals limitless possibilities for the organization. The planning participants are asked to articulate their dreams for the future of the enterprise. This is where latent creativity can really come to light. This is where creativity can emerge. It reveals who and what people wish for themselves, for the organization, 
maybe for their profession and their entire industry. The board of directors that I mentioned earlier, they revealed through their dream phase that they had a hidden competitive bent and that they really saw themselves as adversaries of other associations representing their their industry. In their planning retreat, I asked them to creatively illustrate their dreams for the association. Those drawings were really a trip. Um, They revealed a competitive nature that had gone unspoken. Once it surfaced, they were able to begin serious planning so that they could emerge as the best of the associations serving their market. They hadn't been best in class in a very long time. I'm I'm just going to tell you the truth. They had been on the brink of bankruptcy. So their planning had to draw on the strengths that they had completely forgotten. There are so many ways to conduct the dream phase. There are as many ways to do this as there are practitioners using appreciative inquiry. The act of creative illustration through art or some other form provides a visual representation of who and what stakeholders envision themselves being or becoming. That's not the only way to approach dreaming. It's just my favorite approach. It's just what I like. But listen, you can do what works for you. And I encourage you to do what works for you. I want to go back to the nonprofit focused on housing. And yeah, I'm aware that I'm going from example to example and that you're having to kind of keep up and stay on track with me. But I want to go back to that one that's focused on housing. They were having this big open house and they used it to gather insights from everyone from donors, from staff, from politicians, from regulators, from volunteers, from the consumers of their services. They got insights from everyone on what needed to be done to prevent homelessness. It was cool the way they did it. They hung these huge sheets of paper on the walls of the room, the conference room that they were in. They had markers, they had crayons, and they invited anyone and everyone to jot their thoughts on homelessness prevention on these huge sheets of paper. They got such rich insights that they kept the paper up for months. They took it. Now, this was a trip. They took these huge, colorful sheets of paper wherever they went and posted them on the walls. I mean, at meetings, at all kinds of places. And this was a really brilliant technique for engaging stakeholders at all of their fundraisers and other public meetings. It was different, it was unique, and it captured people's attention. It focused people on the issue, their issue of homelessness. It really became an important way to keep people thinking about the dream of ending homelessness. Those contributions reflected the dreams of their stakeholders, Those contributions scribbled and drawn on those big sheets of paper. They captured the dreams. And that's what informed their strategic direction. They used that data to create a shared dream for moving forward. Once you've constructed the dream and conveyed it to stakeholders, the process moves to design. 
<sighs> you know, the design piece can be really tough for people because it's all about communication. It's all about building dialogue. It's all about identifying processes, practices, services, and systems that need to be developed or overhauled to make the dream of reality. Key questions in this design phase, because remember, the design is about building dialogue. You know, we, we discovered it, we dreamed it, now we have to have some dialogue about it. So, so we have to have thoughtful questions. Questions like, what are we going to look like? Who do we intend to become to best serve our clients? How are we going to operate? How are we going to engage our stakeholders? What do we have to do, like to move along the path to our most positive potential? What's inclusion going to look like in our organization? Those questions that you pose and start talking about, they need to remain affirmative. Remember, our questions are fateful. Remember, they're not just rhetorical. They're at the heart of this design work. They're at the heart of your strategic planning. And it's here that you can begin redefining priorities and articulating clear, clear strategies. I want to give you another example. I love my examples. A post-acute care organization used this um, appreciative inquiry process to completely overhaul its human resource function. Through the discovery process, they learned that they were at their best when they were intentionally focused on the human element. In their case, the human element was the residents, the residents' families, their employees, their regulators, and their suppliers. They were really inclusive when thinking about the human element. Their dream was keeping employees and residents fully satisfied. They dreamed of raising the bar on retention. They dreamed of improving their scores on all the various indicators of quality of care. They used the design process to create strategies to invest more heavily in staff. They linked that investment to the care outcomes required for service success. What they believed was, if we have fulfilled, happy, committed staff, the outcome will be residents who get better care and better service. They examined and they refined their bonus and incentive structures to tie them more closely to their dream of being the most highly related, not related, the most highly rated provider of elder care services in their market. That was the goal, to be like best in class, best post-acute care organization, best long-term care organization in that market. And that's what they were just bent for leather to be. The other thing that they did was they realigned how people were compensated so that that was consistent with the goal. They used this design process to renew their emphasis on education and training. So the design process for them was a constant cycle of conversation, of dialogue about what are the things that we need to do to become who we say 
we want to be. And those were some hard conversations. Uh, They challenged what leaders thought they knew. They challenged the ways in which they had been doing business. They challenged the results that they had been getting. They challenged themselves to try different approaches. Now, you know, design doesn't just mean devising new systems and services to support the strategic intent of the organization. It also entails devising measurement methodologies. The strategy to performance gap that I talked about earlier, it can be eliminated when the strategic planning process intentionally incorporates measures into the design. Use this phase to identify key metrics that will be regularly reviewed. Paying attention to metrics keeps attention focused on reaching the objectives of the strategic plan. You've got to define metrics that make sense for your strategy. The final phase of this 4D process is destiny. This is where we implement, evaluate, and fulfill the dream. By this phase, structures and systems have already been put in place. New products, new processes, they've been launched. Metrics are being used consistently and routinely. You're making tweaks and adjustments to reach the goals that you've articulated in your strategic plan. This is when stakeholders can see progress toward the future that they've envisioned. Now remember, it's an iterative process. The plan's going to be recalibrated based on the results of your measurement, based on stakeholder feedback, and based on what you keep learning during implementation. An important thing that I want to say here is that this is a reality-based approach. There will be mistakes. There will be mistakes. You won't be able to cover up your mistakes. As a leader, you have to own the mistakes that are made in the process and continue to move forward to making the dream a reality. As I wrap this up, I want to say that appreciative inquiry is rooted in the assumption that every organization has something that works well and gives it life. It's designed to engage people in producing positive, enduring change. At first blush, it may be appear, it may be appearing to you that this process is too simplified to work. But in fact, it really does work, and it works because of its simplicity. It requires collaboration, stakeholders representing the whole organization, everyone taking responsibility and ownership for kind of divining strategic intent and the systems that will make that intent come to life. The outcomes of strategic planning that utilize an appreciative methodology have a greater likelihood of being sustained because of the collaborative nature of the process, because the stakeholders are so actively involved from discovery to destiny. They have higher levels of ownership and of interest in the strategic direction of the organization. 
This stakeholder involvement not only brings higher levels of engagement, I think it also promotes accountability. The commitment to taking action and following through on the plan, mm, it's more likely because there's been so much collaboration and involvement throughout. Lots of people have a stake in it. Lots of people have an investment in making the strategy come to life. Lots of people want to see success and progress. I think that you can see how this is different from traditional models where a small group of leaders come up with something that we're all supposed to buy into. These traditional processes, they occur in closed settings. And that's distinct because this appreciative inquiry approach is open. It invites, I hate this word, but invites transparency. It's a process that really reflects a a real involvement beyond just planning and involvement in implementation, in evaluation, in recalibrating, in fluid responsive processes. So when you're ready to plan for your department, your division, your region, for your entire organization, I just encourage you to test this appreciative approach. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by the progress that you're able to make, the progress that you're able to make fulfilling your most powerful, positive potential as an organization. I just want you to try it out. Just test it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for considering Appreciative Inquiry as a strategic planning tool. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.